Good morning, and welcome to Readers Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, May 15th, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 63, in the middle of the page with the paragraph that ends, we were now at step three. Today's readers are Rachel and M on the 12 steps, Jerry K. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Irene, Marita, and Katie F. The reference number for yesterday, May 14th, is 6347. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. No dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rachel to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Rachel, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God and understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly ask Him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for much of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. 
Thank you, Rachel. And Jerry Kay, would you read the 12 Traditions, please? Yes, thank you for your service. Uh, the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain personal anonymity at the of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And Tradition 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry Kay. How our meetings work, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does require that the sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone should be everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Here we resume our study of the big book on page 63, the paragraph that begins, we were now at step 3. Um and I will ask Irene to read the first two paragraphs, and to focus shares on the second. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our baker, as we understood him, God, 
I offer myself to thee, to build with me and to do with me as thy will. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking the step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person, such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor. But it is better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. The wording was, of course, quite optional so long as we expressed the idea, voicing it without reservation. This was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made an effort, sometimes a very great one was felt at once. And this is um, this is a promise, you know. This is a promise, based, of course, on a condition to be honest and humble. That now that I'm conscious of His presence, now that I am totally convinced that I cannot and that God can, to start praying, God, I offer myself to Thee. You know, wow, you know, I'm. I'm deciding from this point on to offer myself to thee every single day. Sounds like a marriage. And how beautiful is that? To me, it's it's like a beginning of a love story. I finally found the only unconditional love that exists to fill me, to satisfy me. And this is how I choose to live my life daily. And this is this is this part is just the beginning. It's it's like our lives began when our lives began we were first born. It's the same thing but not in a physical manner. It's in a spiritual way. When we were first born we were connected to our mother. This time around when we were born again spiritually we are connected with God. And it's a beginning, a beginning of a beautiful spiritual journey. It's the light has shone on darkness. The light has hit this seed that was planted, and it will be watered, nurtured. This seed will start to grow and to blossom, and then it will give off this beautiful aroma so others can be touched. This is the transformation from our old ways to our new ways of living, and it is God's way of living. This is where we are headed to become this beautiful flower with this beautiful aroma for others to be touched. But a beginning of a beautiful process that God will provide exactly what we need and not what we want. God wants to use to help others, but we first have to help ourselves by inhaling God and exhaling self. And it's discovering that I really needed God in order for me to live in this peaceful manner. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini. Who would like to share on the second paragraph?
Would anyone like to share? Okay, well, this is Kathy um, Kay. I will take this opportunity. Good. Oh, go ahead. Who's that? Good. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Okay, Katie, why don't you go ahead then? Um, I wanted to focus um, on this idea that we... Uh, the wording was, of course, quite optional so long as we express the idea voicing it without reservation. So it's asking that we admit, you know, we're, we're on step three here. Um, we've gone through step one where we admit our powerlessness. And then step two, we're acknowledging our need for God and our something outside of ourselves. And then in step three, we're saying, okay, I'm, I'm making a decision to follow God's way. And, you know, it's not something, I mean, I say this third step prayer with, with uh, my sponsees every day. And every day I'm struck by, um, you know, different parts of it. And, it. and it centers me back into the day, into this moment, and into the reality that I do not have to run the show. And you know, um, we have to express this every day without reservation, that I can't say I'm going to give everything to God except this. You know, I'm going to ask God for God's help, or I'm going to be completely honest with my sponsor except in this one area. You know, this is um, the willingness and the open-mindedness and the honesty come in and are starting to eke into our lives before we launch on steps four through nine, we have to be at a place where we say that we are open. I, I couldn't launch onto the next steps until I was willing to say, I don't know what's best for me, and I, my ideas don't work anymore. Um, and the thing that is so uh, great about this program is it doesn't matter if you've been abstinent one day or a few days or, you know, decades, um, there's new things to learn every day uh, about this program and about how we need to live our lives um, out of our own will, you know, to, to be of maximum, maximum <laughs> service to others um, is not my natural instinct. I naturally want things to go my way. And so every day I surrender and say, um, may I do thy will always. And, you know, um, it doesn't matter, you know, what, where you are in this um, process. Each day you can start with this prayer. And, you know, it's not an, a 10-step promise. This is, this is the beginning point. Um, it's where we turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. This is what separates this from Weight Watchers or, or any other, you know, diet program where, you know, you just work on it until you lose the weight and then you just go back to your old way, you know, hopefully by gritting your teeth, you don't uh, gain the weight back. That's not what this program is. It's not a, um, a temporary thing where you just uh, try to, to work on it while you're trying to lose weight. You know, the, the serious work really begins after that when 
you're learning lives on life's terms and you don't have, you know, this, um, this, you know, malady holding you back. You know, now it's the real deal. And I'm just so grateful that we can come together every morning and get centered and focus back on our primary purpose. With that, I'll pass. This is Sally. Hi, Sheila Mash here. Okay, thank you, Katie, very much. And then I heard Sally, and who else? Sheila. Sheila. Okay, go ahead, Sally. Thank you, Katie. Have a um, thank you for your service this morning. Uh, this is Sally, recovered compulsive reader in South Jersey. I wanted to speak to um, this precious, beautiful prayer that they put here for us. And um, the fact, in the middle of this prayer, it says, "Thy will, Thy power, Thy love, Thy way of life." You know, I never prayed, "Thy will be done." That just didn't really cross my lips, and. You know, it reminds me of page 93. For those of you who are like me, who walked around with, I got that, I, I, I get that. Um, you know, I don't have to really focus on that aspect because I've been doing that for years. I had been praying for years. I had been doing all the things I was supposed to be doing from that perspective, from a religious perspective, for years. And I truly believe that I had a great relationship with my higher power. But when I look at page 93, it's got my fingerprints all over it. Your prospect may belong to a religious denomination. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours in that he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. But he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. He may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish construction, constructive action. And when I read those words, constructive action, my mind goes straight to the bottom of page 68. You don't have to turn to it. It's really quite simple. Where it says, faith means courage. And this is the, one of the changes that has occurred in me in these last years of being uh, abstinent and subsequently recovered. Faith means courage. And what it means to me today is that when a police officer pulls her over, and I don't know why because I wasn't speeding, and he says license and registration, and I hand him the license and registration, and he explains you kind of blew that stop sign back there, and I just sit there and I, I, I pray. And he walks away, and I say, thank you, because that's what courage means to me. Because everything goes wrong, I say thank you. And everything that goes right, I say thank you, because that means courage. And I'm practicing it. Sometimes I think to myself when something goes wrong, did you say thank you? Because if page 417 is true, in the middle of the page where it says nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake, then I should say thank you because this is what he thinks is best for me. So when I sit there waiting for the officer to bring me the ticket and the license registration, saying thank you, Father, because the you feel that I need to learn a lesson about taking more of a pause at a stop sign. And then I say, but if you think it's possible I could learn this lesson without spending $150, it would mean the world to me. And then the officer brought me my license and registration without a ticket. 
that's what it means for me. To have faith means courage. And that's what it means to me. Thy will, not mine, be done. Thy will, thy power, thy love, thy way of life. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. Thank you, Sally. And Sheila? Thank you. Sheila H. from New York. Thank you for your service. Wow, I could say it better than Sally said it. Thank you. Um, just wanting to check in with this because what jumps out at me is that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. And for me, that meant giving up the hope that the past is different than what it was and relying and trusting, trusting in God that whatever happens, happens for a reason. I think that's part of it, you know, wanting to be the director, always wanting to change something and restructure something or construct something. Humbling experience just to surrender. Surrender in a way that my way is not the only way. I don't know where this is going to lead me or what's the outcome going to be, but trusting that God has my best best, best service in mind and that um, surrendering to God in this way differently than my religion practice differently than, you know, I guess the way that um, in church, in a structured church, this is a different type of abandonment, a release for me. And um, trusting that thy will be done and that what's being done is being done for my best. And I think that's been the best, the hardest thing for me was thinking I knew best or didn't trust that the outcome would be in my best interest. And so it's been a humbling experience and um, a freedom, an absolute freedom to say, okay, I don't know what today brings. I don't know what's going to happen, what's not going to happen, but trusting that it will be done and it's however it turns out it's supposed to be and accepting that acceptance is the answer. Thank you so much for letting me share and thank you for your service. Thank you, Sheila. And this is Kathy Kay, and I'd like to briefly share... Um, on the last sentence that was read, this was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes very great ones felt at once. Well, for me, it was not that. It was a very, very gradual process, um, acting as if and reciting the prayer every day, uh, and at the same time staying close to the big book and the fellowship. And uh, over time, I found that the prayer began to have some real meaning for me, and I could um, experience that vital connection. But I just wanted to say for those who are new, that at first um, I was just read prayer out of the book because sponsor told me to. Um, but I really did not authentically experience the surrender until many months later. Um, and now it just continues uh, to get stronger and stronger. It really is a journey, and I know I'm on a path because the relationship keeps deepening and evolving. The other thing that was suggested to me at one was to take the third step prayer and rewrite it in my own words because it does say here that it doesn't have to be said exactly the way it's written here as long as we take the action. And uh, I found that too very helpful because uh, some of the words in this prayer don't necessarily 
uh, resonate with me as much as if I change them a little bit. Not altering the meaning, but altering the language. And that, too, helped me to become more authentically petitioning of my high power. And with that, pass. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Okay, why don't we move on to the next paragraph, and I will ask um, Katie F. Oh, I'm sorry, no, Marita, please. Marita, would you read the next paragraph? Hey there, yes. Um, can you hear me? This is Marita from Virginia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Yes, I can hear you. Great. Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. Oh, yeah, so we just uh, finished um, discussing step three and showing us that that was an important decision to make, and now this paragraph is talking about step four. This is the introduction in the big book to the fourth step. So um, this paragraph is being uh, forceful in its wording, in its language, about how soon after we make the decision in step three to turn our will and our lives over to a power greater than ourselves, to the God of our understanding, how fast we go ahead and begin to work the rest of the action steps four through nine. And they're saying that it is, what does it say? We want to... We want to do this right away. I'm looking for the words, and I don't see it. We launched on a course of vigorous action. So launching is like being catapulted, right? Being we, We're springing. We're, we're, we're rocketed. Here we go. So the idea is to do this right away. And what they're describing is vigorous. They, they want this to be effortful, to be, you know, like cardio exercise, you know, not uh, not uh, yoga for relaxation here. We're, we're going to be doing some hard work, and we're, they're describing it as a personal house cleaning. And then later they talk about it as facing and being rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. And they're reminding us that my addiction, our liquor was but a symptom so my acting out in compulsively overeating, although I see that when I came into them as my biggest lifelong problem, that's actually an aggression of how I was trying to solve my real problems. So the problem is underneath the eating. The eating was shielding me my true problem. And here in step four, we're going to actually start focusing on the causes and conditions that make me want to overeat. And it is a beautiful process. You know, I was so scared of this and so unwilling initially and fearful of looking at this problem that I'd been burying under the food 
for so many years. But when I was guided by a uh, big book sponsor, gently given the push I needed to move into this process, I, I came to an understanding that I could be fearless in this work because it really was uncovering the sores and the wounds that were festering that needed the sunshine of the spirit. They needed the alcohol and the light. They needed to get all washed out, sewn up, so I could heal. And um, it is the miracle. This is part of the great miracle. We just have to get busy and do this work. And as a mom and a woman, I have been cleaning house for myself or my family for a really long time. So I'm good at it. I know how to do this. This is nothing to be intimidated by. And I love a clean house. So here we go, guys. Let's, uh, let's, let's roll up our sleeves and just get busy. Thanks so much for letting me share. And I pass. Thank you, Marita. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Monica. Yeah. Okay, I heard Larry and Monica and Sarah. Kim. Kim. Okay, Larry, Monica, Sarah, and Kim. Go ahead, Larry. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for your service. Larry, a recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. So it says, launched out in a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal cleaning. So again, as it was intimated, you know, why the word launch? I mean, you know, a rocket is launched. It's a pretty bold endeavor, you know, to launch a rocket fraught with risk but for the chance of amazing reward. And also the word vigorous seems to imply, you know, that we, that we must be willing to take a forceful, strenuous effort. You know, I've thought about this and I've told people that, you know, why not, you know, rewrite it in accordance with how, you know, some people do this. Certainly I did this. You know, it might have read, you know, why not, you know, next, uh, we we patiently consider the possibility of taking moderate, spirited action after years of internal debate, uh, the first step of which is reaffirming the fault of others who have wronged us. You know, this this is approach, it may sound crazy, but this is what I did, and, and this is sure to keep us stuck in our disease. You know, step four is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. And step three was merely an invitation to get busy. Let's get to work. So, you know, when we look at, like, for me, food, you know, my fat body, crazy spending, sexually acting out, lack of emotional intimacy, et cetera, all these things, these are symptoms. In other words, these are all signs or indications that my disease exists. But they weren't the disease. You know, as we often hear, if food was the problem, then the elimination of food would be the solution, but it never was for me. So if I'm stuck in examining the symptoms every day, Groundhog Day, day after day, I'm going to die in the problem. Surrender is the solution for me. And, you know, I mean, could you imagine if you, you know, a sick child that had a, had a bacterial, you know, um, infection, you know, easily treatable with the proper antibiotics, that her symptoms, you know, a fever, nausea, chills, how insane would it be for us to simply treat her condition, you know, with cold towels, Tylenol, and Pepto-Bismol? No, we, we have to treat the cause and condition. Other things are great, but we have to get down to causes and conditions. So the same with my disease. We treat causes and conditions. I need to know what they are. 
That's why I'm going to do this fact-finding and fact-facing process. And I've learned that I have a, a spiritual malady, one that inhabits all addicts like me. If you're like me, self-centeredness, egoism, obsession with control, dishonesty, fear. Yet, you know, you think about this, how often in a way do we look simply to treat the symptoms? You know, a food plan will do the trick. Uh, if you're feeling bad, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days, meeting makers make it. You know, keep coming back for more aspirin. You know, none of that's going to work for me. So um, thank God that I, that I found a solution and it was a, a spiritual solution. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. And Monica, it's your turn. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a compulsive overeater recovered today. Thank you, God. Okay, so here we are. We've we've done step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. I've made a decision to turn towards this higher power that I've come to realize that I need through doing steps one and two. And so I make, I've made that decision to turn to this power, to develop a relationship with this higher power. Do I understand what all of this means? Do I understand all the wording of the third step prayer that I've just done? No, I didn't. I didn't. But I was sick and I wanted to get better. And so we read here next, and I was told to circle the word next. We launched. And next me immediately following. My sponsor had when I did this third step prayer with her, she says, I want you to come with a notebook and a full and she read this and we read this together and she said, Next, it means immediately following. Which move forward quickly on a course of vigorous action and this is step four, which is a personal house cleaning. So right then and there she had me start my list after we said a prayer and had me start my list. And then she said, okay, now you are officially writing. And, um, I, you know, that's important because Monica made lots of decisions, you know. She made lots of decisions. Well, today I'm going to be a good girl. I'm going to follow my plan, you know. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But then I never took any actions. I never did anything differently. And so here I'm going to start the action work. I'm going to start cleaning of my house. And don't be afraid of this. This is a wonderful step. And you have a guide that's going to guide you through every little part of it. It's nothing to be feared, and there's so much to learn. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. And Sarah. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everybody. So grateful to be on the line. My name is Sarah. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I, I like, you know, I was thinking about the third step, you know, the decision that I make that I'm going to turn my will and my life over. And I don't know about you guys, but I do it every day. But the idea of actually verbalizing, you know, what it is that caused my causes and conditions and the way it talks about the decision was vital and crucial but it could have no permanent effect unless at once followed by strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves that have been blocking us. So it's telling me that I I can actually get rid of this stuff. I see you had such guilt and shame about the things I've done, and I couldn't understand how anybody would me, me because, you know, the wreckage of my past, 
And it's telling me that if I do these things, that I'm going to have freedom and that I'm going to become more connected. And so, you know, the, the question I have in my mind is that why do we get so stuck that we're afraid to do it? Because in the end, what I have found when I have done inventories is the person that I'm doing my fifth step with is, is loving, and I feel that sense of my higher power flow into me, and I feel accepted by my higher power, and I feel loved and accepted by the person I'm doing the, the fifth step with. And on top of that, the greatest gift of all is that I finally really feel t- truly connected and accepted and unconditionally loved by this higher power. So I get thought is for me, I'm not, if I'm not willing to work this part of the program, I'm missing out on so much. I'm missing out on, on, the, on the real questions in life. And the final fear is that I can have self-acceptance because I can't change the past. My husband has this plaque and it says, forgiveness is letting go of the hope for a better past. I think that is the acceptance that comes into play when I can say, this is what I did. This is the way my life was. I can't change that. But I can allow myself to be rid of these defects as God sees fit and be a better person for it. I'm so grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. God bless. Thank you, Sarah. <clears throat> and Kim, it's your turn. Thank you, thank you, Kathy Kay. Um, hello, all. My name is Kim Jing, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. So our decision was a crucial step. It could have little permanent effect unless at once, followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. You know, next month I'm going to be in this loving fellowship for 20 years. However, I've only been recovered for a little over, almost three and a half years. And I have to say this because even though I was severely loved in this program, the fellowship is very confused. Very confused. I got very confusing messages. I really thought that step three was turning over all my problems to God in the morning and then doing nothing about them. I really thought that I could take my will back and give it to God and take my will back and take it to God. And that explains to me why the first decade and a half in this program that it had little permanent that my experience in Overeaters Anonymous has been temporary respite after temporary respite after temporary respite going in and out of the food because I didn't understand what step three is. Step three is the decision to go on with the rest of the steps and how I am going to get permanent effect is by learning that skill set in four through nine, clearing away those blocks from me and God and then making 10, 11, and 12, which is utilizing all the steps on a daily basis time. The other confusing message I just constant here is that, well, don't do a fourth step until you've been abstinent a year or abstinent for six months. Everything was how long I was abstinent versus working the steps. And it was about getting comfortable. And then I would sit in the fourth step for a year. I would sit in the fourth step for a year and I would make notebooks and notebooks full of, of confessions and biological stories about myself. And this is telling me, when do I do my fourth step? There's two options in this paragraph, next and at once. 
And did I do that? No. I would do the steps one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, and not get to the to the steps, the rest of the steps. Or I'd sit in step four until I picked up again. So I think it's so essential. As much as I was in the fellowship and as much as I loved other people, all I did is I could only tell people what people were telling me. And people were telling me to try to get comfortable, that the focus was abstinence, that don't go too fast. These steps, you know, get some abstinence behind you before you do the steps. And yet this book is telling me I had to embark on the recovery. As soon as I put that food down, I get into the text, and I move through these steps quickly. And why is that? Because I want a permanent effect. I want to live a life of freedom. And when I was truly presented with this, these pages, I had to ask myself, how free do I want to be? And I wanted freedom. And I did these steps in the order that it was presented, exactly as it said, stop putting my twist on it, stop putting other people's opinions on it, and I was able to get to a place called recovered. And what is recovered? Recovered means that the obsession has been removed. Today, I do not want to eat my binge foods. That is the miracle of Overeaters Anonymous. For years, I thought the miracle of Overeaters Anonymous is that you, the fellowship, would love me enough and I could do these tools frequently enough that maybe I could beat the beast back one more day. And eventually, one day I would be not on guard and I woke up and I would pummel back into the food. So let me read this, the clear message that this, this program of recovery is giving us. Though our decision, step three, is a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to be rid of the things in our, ourselves which have been blocking us, which is the rest of the steps. And today, I love you all so much that I want you to hear this truth, and hopefully you will take action on this truth. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Deb, Deb. Rachel. Okay, Leah. I I didn't get the first person's name. I got Rachel and Leah. Who was the first? Deb W. Deb W. Okay, Deb, go ahead, and then we'll hear Rachel and Leah. Yeah, this is Deb W. Recovered in Oklahoma. I uh, wanted to read the part that says it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by now, this is the part I'm relating to, a strenuous effort to and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. And when I think about that, I, 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 I say, what does that mean with effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us? And I think back to when I was doing my four steps, I, too, did a, a lot of uh, journaling and, uh, uh, you know, story writing about what happened and how others did whatever they did to me. But the difference this in this uh, process here is along with the person who, our sponsor or, or our person that we trust, I write these stories and then, or I don't even write the stories, I list it, uh, you know, the thing that that bothered me, 
And the person who worked with me and God through this process let me look at myself in a different light. So I went in with the idea who bothered me and how was I affected? What caused that uncomfortable feeling? And then there was a twist that happened. What did I what part did I play in it? And what is the personality flaw that I see whenever I am the common denominator? And then part of strenuous effort is that I really am willing to hear what they have to say. Because before I would just say, oh, no, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not like that. Or, you know, I think this person who's listening is off. But this time, as the power greater than me affects me, there's something that happens that opens me up to, well, maybe, how about you know, okay, and then that becomes, that builds, and I start hearing myself from a totally different perspective. Those, that ability starts to open the possibility of me being rid of these things because previously I listened, I wrote, you know, I gave it over to whoever, and then I took it all back, and I continued to justify my behavior I didn't even, I wasn't aware of what selfish meant where I was learned because I couldn't hear it. The word would be spoken around me, but I couldn't hear how it applied to me. And that's the difference in this process of doing this work. And, uh, And that's the difference in the ability to be blocked or unblocked. I have the open power that show light on the defects myself that I'm not even aware of that causes me this restless, irritable, discontent, uncomfortable feeling that eventually causes me to go to the food. And I thank you. Thank you, Deb. Uh, Rachel, you're next. Good morning, Rachel. I'm recovered, compulsive overeater, and anorexic. I wanted to focus on the phrase that food is but a symptom. Um, as that might sound to you, I really had to take this by faith. I honestly thought that I I was um, adjusted and um, a really nice person, and I thought lots of people around me had problems, and and I couldn't understand why get control of food and weight and. But, of course, when I did my fourth step and I started being honest with myself, I found out that I was full of fears and self-seeking and selfishness. And food, seriously, was just a symptom of of my inability to cope with life. And I just bless God and and thank him that he made this way clear for us addicts to become honest with ourselves that we can live, that I can live without food controlling my life anymore. And I fast. Thank you very much, Rachel. And Leah. Thanks so much. Kathy Kay for your service. Good morning, everybody. I'm Lynn. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. 
it could have little permanent effect unless at one followed by a strenuous to faith and to be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. And, of course, people have commented about the speed at which we need to do this. Um, you know, we're in a race, race against our minds. You know, can we get through the rec- process? And, of course, step four begins that process of unblocking. Can we get... Uh, through the recovery process before our mind convinces us to eat is essentially what's happening. You know, already, of course, you know, so far we've admitted our powerlessness, right? We've we've uh, recognized, you know, we need to be willing to have a belief in a power greater than ourselves. We made a decision to have that relationship and to move and to begin to turn towards that relationship with that power. And that decision was was witnessed with another individual, uh, as we uh, just uh, read in the previous paragraph. So you know, since that power is deep down within us, that's what our text teaches us, that that power is within us, deep down inside us. What's preventing us from that effective relationship with that power? And that is the whole point of this recovery process, begin with step four, because we're trying to find a new way to live. We're trying to find a way to live with peace of mind, serenity, happiness, contentment. And every day that we procrastinate on taking these actions and every day that we put off step four and every day that we uh, procreate um, this this work that's asked of us in four through nine, it's another day or restless, irritable, and discontent. At least that was, it was another day that I was filled with, with fear and with resentment. And, and this is what happened to me in 1971. And I'm living my life because this is what happened to me in 1976. And it was another day of, of guilt. It was another shame. It was another day of remorse. It was another day of not feeling good. Of course, what does someone like me do when I don't feel good, when I feel restless, irritable, and discontent? I can only feel that way for just so long until I start seeking relief and thinking about the sense of ease and comfort I'm going to get if I dig my fist into a bag or a box. You know, and the next thing I know, uh, you know, I've uh, dug those fists down and, you know, I'm binging all over again. And that is the process of a compulsive overeater. That's what we do when we're blocked off. That's what we do when we're living in darkness. When we're living in darkness, we end up needing to depend and rely on substances, binge foods, to offer us that ease and comfort. So the program of recovery here is offering offering a solution for someone like me. That process is an inventory beginning with step four, an analytical determination of the facts. How (laughs) These are just the facts. It's not a judgment about my behavior. It's a facts about my belief system, the way I look at the world and interact with the world. And, And removing those blocks allows that power to penetrate and make a profound impact on my mind and my heart. And with that, I pass. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Leah. Laura? Uh, is that Laura? Mora? Mora. Go ahead, Mora. 
Good morning. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. My name is Maura Z from Virginia, and I hope to get this out before the dog starts barking again. I just wanted to share that for me, <clears throat> working step four was always, has always been, and I just finished one again, um, a very um, cleansing process. But what I wanted to share with perhaps the newcomers out there is that these steps are in order for a reason. We take step three, and I took step three, and by doing so, offering myself to God, I put my trust in him that I was going to be okay so that when I was working step four, I just kept relying back on him. I'm going to be okay. This is uncomfortable. This is hard, but I can do this, and I need to do this because not only do I want to just trust in my higher power in God, not only do I want to know that he's there, I want to really build my relationship with him. I want to have that strength to go forward always. So I just wanted to share that these are in order for a reason. And when we take step three, when we honestly and humbly take step three, we have what we need to work for. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Maura. We have time for one more share. Would anyone like to share? Rab- I'm sorry, what is your name? Rabia. Rabia, go ahead. Hi, everyone. I'm Rabia from New York. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I, I would just like to share that I'm doing the fourth step right now. I, I've been guided this far, and 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 already the ease and comfort and change of perspective is starting to happen um, just in the process of writing this, and I highly recommend it. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Rabia. Okay. Um, Thank you, everyone, who has shared today and been present with us today. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will uh, KDF please read A Vision for You, our book, and to be suggestive only? Good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.